welcome to Accelerate Your Wealth, a podcast by Rebecca Robertson, founder and director of Evolution Financial Planning. We hope you enjoy the show and please feel free to leave us a review. It really does help. Feel free to connect with us on Facebook, LinkedIn and Instagram or head over to www.rebeccarobertson.co.uk or our sponsor, Evolution Financial Planning for regulated advice on www.evolutionfinancialplanning.co.uk forward slash podcast. Today we're joined by Catherine. Uh, She's a consultant nurse with nearly three decades of working in healthcare as a senior nurse leader in women's health. Catherine remains a registered nurse and is the founder and director of Flux State Limited, supporting women to understand their bodies, know their minds and ask for what they need to navigate menopause. She is a non-medical prescriber of hormone replacement therapy within her virtual menopause clinic and trained in cognitive behavioural therapy for those who can't or don't want to take HRT. She's also a certified coach and trainer supporting women and their organisations to enable them to remain in work whilst ensuring health and well-being and financial security in midlife and beyond. Today we talk about money and menopause and how the menopause affects us financially and what impact that has on our money. Hope you enjoy. Welcome the beautiful Catherine. So I've known Catherine, um, I don't know, it's got to be a good like five or six years I I would say and um, hello. Hello. (laughs) And um, we've met through the one of many community um and i've just obviously introduced um you to and and read out your bio so people know who you are and what you're about but um i'd love to start this conversation just by talking about your personal experience of the menopause the big m now this is something that it it's getting talked about a lot more which is fantastic but for me it's still a very early part of my journey because i'm 43 so I'm on the younger side of that pre-menopause. Um, and it's it, it I, my experience um, is still that of my grandmothers who brought me up and my mother who I, I was around, but I wasn't, um, she's in her 60s now, but I didn't live with her growing up. So um, it was almost something that you didn't talk about. It's like, you know, oh, I'm having a bit of a hot flush. Just leave me to get on with it. Um, but it actually everything else wasn't really talked about um so what's your experience and where are you at now with it yeah so I've been a women's health nurse consultant three decades so I have always been immersed in women's health and so I come at this from a clinical and personal experience but I was uh I had fertility treatment for my son because I have endometriosis um which is an acute pain condition and uh, 10 years of fertility treatment or trying for a baby, lots of operations. And I have a beautiful son. So um, I'm very grateful for all of this technology that, that goes on to help us around this time. And I returned to work at four and a half months because I had a really terrible pregnancy. So I was off for seven months of my pregnancy with wow. my son. Um, and so I felt this real urge internal, but also external to return to work as a senior nursing leader. So I went back at four and a half months. Looking back, I don't think that was the best of ideas, but um, my son really didn't sleep and had uh, problems because uh, he's allergic to dairy and egg. 
so we had quite a tough wow you've had an early yeah, yeah early day. years and of course you look at yourself and your ability to cope around this time as a new mum I wasn't sleeping my anxiety was through the roof I was catastrophizing ruminating really tearful utter fatigue and wasn't sleeping just really bad insomnia and then as my son started to sleep as he got to about 18 months old I realized he was sleeping through the night but I wasn't and my anxiety was through the roof um it was one incident at work um, which um, I often share, where I swore at a member of staff. This is not my normal. Um, You're normally so <laughs> polite, and that's maybe something I would do, but maybe not something you would do. No, you're very it, it really stopped me in my tracks because I said sake to them, uh, yes. which is where flux state comes from. Because I was in, I feel I was in a state of flux at that time, and perhaps just used the wrong uh, word that elaborated. Oh, I was utterly inspiration for you, so it was obviously a, a good turning point. It was, and so I actually resigned uh, the very next day, threw in my resignation, and just walked out. And um, people that I was working with said to me. And said to others, you know, where's Catherine gone? She looked like she was, you know, really doing really well in her role. She didn't look like she was struggling. And yet I was really barely surviving. There wasn't enough, um, you know, energy for myself, for my son, for my relationship, you know, let alone work. Um, so that was a point where I just thought my mental health was really poor I thought I was going mad to be honest so I went on a journey of CBT which was really helpful antidepressants which I do still take to this day because my anxiety can get out of control with all the tools I have you know I've made a choice to take and continue to take antidepressants and it was three years later just getting back into going back into the NHS after had some coaching uh, through the Happy Easters with Jenny Garrett and then the one of many and I had my first hot flush three years later and it was like a light bulb going off I just realized oh my goodness here am I as a women's health nurse consultant I didn't realize I was in the perimenopause my colleagues certainly didn't mention to me that how I could... old were you when you had your son yeah so I had my son at 38 so I was wow. four... yeah, yeah I was just 40. That, is that on the earlier side of the cusp is that sort of or is that about average yeah, so we know that one in 100 women will go through the menopause under 40. So that's that's not small numbers. Yeah. We know that women tend to go through it between 45 and 51. Right. Um, with the average, so 45 and 55. Um, yeah, the menopause, not the pre-menopause. That's the menopause, their periods will stop. Oh, right. And then that bit between 40 and 45 yeah. um, is what we call early, early yeah. Um, menopause but of course we've got this perimenopause which I think to be honest we've not really spoken about until the last two three years it's not yeah. been on our, it's not been our, in our vocabulary no. and actually it's not the stopping of the periods that causes the hormone fluctuations it's the lead up to it yeah. and so and it's the unpredictableness of it and also how our body responds to those hormone fluctuations. So for me, you know, it was the anxiety and the sleep that were my first symptoms. For other people, it could be hot flushes. For other people, it could be palpitations and panic attacks. There's a, you know, 34 signs 
and symptoms of the menopause. And for each person, it will be very unique. But the challenge is that it comes before our periods stop, even before our periods become irregular. And so um, those symptoms can be really derailing us. And it's the thing I hear from women is, one, why didn't I know about all these symptoms? Yeah. Um, two, I thought I was going mad. And also that I was alone, that there was nobody else that was going through this. And so for me, um, I feel really um, privileged to be in a position that I can share my knowledge and experience to enable other people to join up the job sooner. And hopefully so they don't walk out on their jobs, because I believe that the menopause is a threat to financial security. If we don't, as a society, as workplaces, as communities, as healthcare systems, support women to navigate this challenging time, which is a normal life event, but is pretty hard for, you know, at least 25%, potentially 75% of us. And, and I'm, I'm finding um, people that I speak to, um, it's not necessarily, um, you know, this, you know, I can talk to you about this stuff, your, your women's, you know, it's not the vaginal dryness that they're bothered by. It's not the hairy chin that really gets on their nerves. It's not the hair loss. You know, you'd expect it to be, you know, women, we sort of, as a, as a, um, generally speaking we're very aware of our appearance but actually though and those things are really a secondary to it it's the mental health actually how it affects our cognitive behavior and our inability to focus um and for example for me everything you've just described um I also have an underactive thyroid so um when I'm different points of my hormonal um period um it it might, I can have ups and downs and I'm taking the same level of thyroxine. So there's times where the first thing that goes is actually my mental health or my energy. And when I say energy, it's not like you haven't, it's, it's not the same as not sleeping for a week. Um, but it's similar in the sense of all of a sudden it hits you like a bus that you don't have any energy. So it's really hard for, for someone like myself or those that have got thyroid issues is because actually you don't know if the heart palpitations the dizziness the tiredness is actually premenopausal or it's actually part of the thyroid um condition um and then also without you know getting overly personal but i'm quite happy to share because i'm quite open i also have a coil because I, my periods pre having um thyroid issues even before that um were my periods were so heavy and i was so hormonal that i almost had to have the coil put in and i know like you know i had to have that estrogen added to my system to help it all calm down so i don't have periods anyway already mm-hmm. And now I worry that what happens when I take that coil out at some point, one, it's really painful. And two, I've then got to try and cope with all of that again. And then, well, actually, would 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 I have a period because I've already gone through the menopause, but I wouldn't have known it kind of thing. Um, and I didn't take my medication last week. I ran out and the typical style of me and most women, I was running around, you know, looking after everybody else. And I just didn't get to the pharmacy in time. They make me go every month, even though it's a long time life condition. They won't give me batches. I have to go every month. So it's quick. Those weeks fly by before it's the actual day. And then I've run out of medication. So it meant I didn't have my medication for a week. Some people that would mean they're on the floor. For me, um, I can just about handle it, um, but more than a week, then I'm, I'm, I, things get start to get a little bit um, 
odd, normally vertigo, um, dizziness and lack of energy. Um, but um, for me, I found in the last day or two is not so much my energy, but my motivation um, mm. has really affected me. I, I feel like it's a, a dull grey Monday morning when you've just come off, a, come off a really nice sunny holiday and you feel really pissed off that you're at work. It's that kind of I'm fine, but it doesn't quite all feel right if that makes sense and Absolutely. that to me is is the, the the real not the there are obviously lots of issues but one of the biggest things I'm talking to friends and people is that how that then affects their job how it affects their relationships um, how it affects their motivation their drive um, their desire um, so yeah I, I think there's there's so much there's so much to it um, and how I mean, how can we help ourselves or how can we get the help that we might need? Because the doctors in the NHS are not necessarily knowledgeable, willing or able to assist. Yeah, absolutely. And when I think if we think I know you talked about your experiences being brought up by your grandmother and then your mum uh, experiences of menopause um, my mum was on HRT she uh in the 90s just when I went to university her mental health uh, anxiety was flawed and then came a crisis with um our belief systems about HRT not being safe based on yeah. some research that's been completely dismissed now that was cancer right breast cancer particularly yeah breast cancer increased strokes and heart disease and we now know that research that was done on older women you know 70s was oh, high high doses and they already had some of those conditions like heart disease high blood pressure risk of st a stroke right. so giving high doses of of synthetic hrt to a group of women who were more at risk um yeah. those conditions anyway and we don't prescribe hrt in that way actually we try and prescribe hrt before 60 because we, you know, the evidence suggests we want to be treating before oh, it's, we've got yeah. those risk factors. So we're, we are prescribing differently now to we were before. So quite often women will say to me is I've got a couple of the symptoms and I've been to a GP and they say my periods are regular um, or my hormone tests are all normal. Therefore, you're not perimenopausal. Yes, I hear that all the time from my friends. Yes, I do too. And so I set up Flux State, which is a community of two and a half thousand women. Wow, Catherine, that's amazing. Congratulations. Thank I wonder when you first started that. It's amazing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, started it with before Davina. Thank you, Davina, is all I can say. <laughs> it's 80 and it, it, yes, it's increased since then because women are searching information. You know, our parents' generation may have accepted what the doctor has said, and now we are more educated. We've got more access to information. We've got, you know, um, people promoting the perimenopause and the use of testosterone, for example, in HRT. My mum's generation, 30% were on HRT. If we look at before Davina effect, when I started my, my group, it was 11%. So we know that 25% of women are severely impacted by their symptoms. We're not even treating them, wow. let alone the 75% of people who might be struggling with one or two symptoms. Yeah. It's gone up now to about 15, 16%. So we are still right. under treating, we know that. One of the things is, 
is the the nice guidelines are going to be reviewed so at the end of the year we'll have some new guidelines for gps and this is much needed because we've got to look at this area of what's the evidence we've got what gaps do we have that we need to do some research so that we can really improve uh, the women's care because we just haven't got the evidence that's half the problem we also haven't got the training um and therefore, really important that we take an opportunity to get to read the evidence based information. Yeah. So know what the signs and symptoms are, know what your top four symptoms are and the impact they're having on your life. Like it's it's impacting my relationship, my ability to parent, ability to work. Uh, you know, I'm gone part time. I'm off sick. These are really important. The thing is, if we go in saying because GPs have seven minutes. If we go in and say in tears, which quite I was in tears, sobbing, couldn't really get across what I was struggling with, um, hadn't had a hot flush. I came out with antidepressants and that yeah. is many women's experience because that's the thing we mentioned. But actually, it's really important. Yes, to address that mental health is an issue. But for, if it is perimenopause, antidepressants are not the first first line treatment. It's actually HRT, a trial. And if we talk about thyroid, thyroid and menopause symptoms are so closely overlapping. It's really difficult to know what's thyroid and what's what's menopause. So a trial of HRT can be really helpful. So well, how can we convince doctors to do that? Because some of them are just so, well, one is the cost, I imagine. And do they, uh-huh. do they, is it not that much? No. So what, why, why are they reluctant, do you think? Is it just the it, education piece? It's old guidelines. Right. Training, um, and we are fifty-one percent of the population, but you wouldn't believe it because we're, you know, we don't treat women as different to men. We treat them as same, and we treat them. Oh, you've got high blood pressure. Oh, you've got anxiety. Oh, you've got, you know, thyroid problems. What we don't do is is treat people holistically and treat. Oh, look at all these things. How are they interrelated? Um, you know what would be the most helpful thing to trial and it's that sort of building a puzzle so persistence is really important for women educate yourself advocate for yourself read up about the risks and benefits so that you know what the real risks for yourself are so I tend to say to women I've you know say you've read these risks and benefits and you believe the risks um you know the benefits going to outweigh the risks and you know ask them for their opinion because quite often there are a lot of myths around the risks and they aren't actually um based on the new types of body identical hrt we have whereas the synthetic we had yes there were more risks of clots and things like that but that's not the case with topical hrt um so come and join a community where there is evidence based information Based yeah. on, look where your sources of information is really important um and I have a clinic as well if women are really struggling and so I can write a letter to GPs as well but yeah. there will be in your practice somebody who will have some level of, of experience with women's health so ask who it is okay the challenge is if there's lack of experience they're referring you to um specialist clinics in secondary care and they are they are overrun. We've got the yeah. longest waiting list since COVID in women's health. Um, yeah. 600,000 women are waiting for surgery, for example. So the longest of any speciality. So wow. it, 
don't expect to wait um so can you I'm go not... private if you're concerned like could can you get do you have to still get a referral or no to my clinic for example you wouldn't need a referral um okay. so we need, I treat it holistically so it could be that we talk about all the options and I don't prescribe at the end we just say actually what about CBT because I'm CBT trained as well I truly believe right. for anxiety low mood sleep issues hot flushes night sweats CBT and HRT if you can take it or you're willing is a really good combination it's not I'm just what cbt is yeah so cbt is a cognitive behavioral therapy yeah. I, I like to call it cognitive behavioral thinking because it's reframing our thinking around the menopause and this is one of the things we can do in in the menopause is we are so judge ourselves around our confidence our ability to focus our ability to remember things that we're so harsh on ourselves mm. that actually that stops us being able to articulate ourselves clearly or remember somebody's name so we can reframe our thinking around symptoms and minimize their impact uh, on the domino symptoms so for example if I got a hot flush now mm. in the past I might have rushed through this tried to get offline just like completely distracted taking sh you know shallow breathing can the palpitations you know I can't think of anything they're domino symptoms if I get a hot flush I see it as a moment in time just a moment in time and I I treat myself with self-kindness it's going to pass perhaps drink some cold a cold um fluid maybe take a layer off maybe open the window I've got a fan which is somewhere on my desk here but I could find it if I needed to you know it's gonna pass it's just a moment in time and it's a natural response yeah what I want to do is put the pause in so that it doesn't escalate yeah so if I can't remember something in the past, I might have said, oh, gosh, I'm so stupid. Why can't I remember that? And I'm getting agitated. I'm never going to remember it. But if I take a deep breath and say, in a moment, that's going to come back to me, but I'm just going to keep talking. And yeah. um, I, I remember the name. So it's self-compassion, self-kindness is really important. But we know CBT has the evidence that it reduces the severity and impact of menopausal symptoms. So if you can't take HRT, you don't want to take HRT, or HRT hasn't been the elixir of life, like we've been sold, then maybe it's a combination of approach. And I think midlife is really a time to look at our energy, our self-kindness, find a community that supports you so that we don't threaten our financial security. We're not walking out on our jobs. We're not walking out on our relationships because um, divorce rate is high in, in perimenopause. Um, the average age is 39.9, 34.9 years. So banging in perimenopause. Um, and it's women filing for divorce. And actually, I don't know if anyone comes out well of divorce. Uh, if you don't have to get divorced and you can repair your relationship, it's got to be better for your fi financial security. But if you're yeah. in a relationship that's harming your health and well-being then absolutely do you want to do it from a place of empowerment that's yeah totally yeah. really important there were um, already most divorcee women are already um some not all um have been in quite um even though not physically abusive but certainly emotionally abusive relationships some not all of them but some of them um and unfortunately it is a, is a higher percentage of women being abused than it is men unfortunately um, so they're already in like a lack of confidence, the lack of knowing, the lack of what's around the corner. I even spoke to a lady yesterday who 
it's going to be fine. Like she's going to be getting a one million pound pension, which she, you know, she 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 put her timing, so to speak. Um, some people might think, sure. oh, that's you know, you just sat at home doing nothing. No, no, she did not. Um, um, and she's going to be financially in a great place. And with help myself, we're going to put her even even better place. And that conversation was so empowering because she's like. I know what's going to happen. I know what's going to, ha- I feel like you've explained it all. I feel much more confident. Um, if you add in the menopause, so just that already complicated situation, you know, it, it makes you lack your confidence, you lack drive. There's so much information you have to take on board. Similar, I imagine for people in their careers, you know, if they're thinking about executive level and they're wanting to go to that next point, is there, is there a point at which, um, you know, I don't know if you know much research around this, but where people are, women are sort of achieving a certain career level pre-menopause but they're not post-menopause or that is so interesting we know that we have one in ten a, a million women have walked out on their jobs wow. now is it from a place of empowerment because they're going to be entrepreneurs and like us set up our own businesses because I definitely feel empowered now but how I got here was not an empowered room <laughs> <No. laughs> was choice um, no, mine either I was made redundant at 14 weeks pregnant and went through a massive you know uh, yeah I had a, my thyroid issue I had what was called a thyroidectomy I had half my thyroid removed which was basically where they cut a seven inch uh, like round your neck yeah so that was that was definitely not an empowered process um, Exactly. we've turned it around is what I yeah. like and I think midlife is that time when we can turn it around and focus on what's really important to us but so what we we know is that obviously perimenopause for the majority of people will come at the peak of their career you know it's just at that time when you might be stopping up to exec level or director level and if we and the children would be older typically so possibly you're older or like me toddlers so you're in that sandwich generation of older right. parents my parents are in their 70s my son's yeah. seven. um but you know so it we're all different yeah. what we're dealing with maybe some of us are caring for for you know children as well or, or young adults as well um yeah. their needs that they might have So what we're finding is that, yes, 25% of women are sailing through the menopause. Lucky them, because it wasn't me. Um, And if they are, are they the ones that are reaching exec level? Because it it doesn't, you know, if you think about it, what proportion are execs? It's around the 25%. It's 23%, I think. So is is it that actually if you sail through the menopause, you are just progressing and progressing and progressing? Whereas if you're struggling around this time, your self-esteem takes a knock. You may be not going for your promotions. You might be reducing your hours. You might sit down. You might step out. And that not only has an impact on your earning ability, but on your pension. Yeah. You can retire. And that financial security, which like that woman, financial security is really empowering, you know, so don't, don't dig your head in the sand like I would have done in the past. Look ahead. What do you want your life to be like? And if work is not working for you, and because of the impact of the menopause, what support can you have? Because we know, for example, that HRT is the most effective treatment for hot flushes and night sweats. We believe that sleep is impacted by night sweats, anxiety and sleep go together. Um, And it could be that your night sweat wakes you up first, then comes the anxiety and then you can't sleep. So it's the domino of effects. So people, I don't want hot, you know, HRT because my hot flushes aren't very bad. 
but the brain fog, the focus, the confidence, the palpitation, you know, there's a whole load of others. So a trial can be really helpful. If I think about how much it costs me to keep my car on the road, mm. you know, I don't think twice about getting an MOT and getting new tires and, and keeping it ticking over. Health and well-being is really important to me, so much so that I walked out because it my, I felt my health and well-being was under threat. But it's what you do when you are under threat, your health and well-being. It's that refocusing and prioritizing your needs. What do you need to do to investment in your diet? In yeah, I was going to ask you about diet because that, yeah. that diet, you know, talking about um, Davina, she talks quite a lot about diet. Um, yeah. And I've got a friend of mine who's premenopausal. She's gone to the doctor, same scenario that we've just described. Doctor says nothing wrong. Um, but she's got a, I'm not sure if she's a nutritionist or something similar. Um, um, and she's subscribing like supplements. Her T4 was okay. Her iron was okay. Um, but there was something else that wasn't. But so on the face of it, it looked like all her bloods were okay. Um, and this nutritionist is sort of subscribing certain things to sort of bolster her along. Is that, is that like, do you believe that, that that's a, a short-term win or... You know what? If midlife is not anything, but it's time to be reflective, it's reflective on how much exercise we're doing, how much we're moving, because that's going to help our bones and our hearts. It is about, um, you know, our our diet and is it healthy and balanced and nothing can replace a healthy diet. If we look at processed foods uh, that are available and if we're working hard and we're snatching things, the sugar count in things is not going to help our focus if we're relying on caffeine and sugar. Um, we need to fuel our brains. We need to hydrate our brains. And so, yes, healthy eating is really important, but I do take supplements on top. So we know that women are quite often lacking in calcium, vitamin D, vitamin B12, um, are some you know key ones. So looking at how you can put more of that in your diet is really important. Yeah. Um, and, you know, but looking at holistically because it, you know, it doesn't, I know some people will say that you can take um, foods that will have sort of estrogenic uh, properties, but you do have to take quite a lot. And it may well be that it may well be that. What would would that be? Like, you know, soya milk, for example. Right. So you don't have a lot of sage. Right. It's a lot of sage and soya milk, is it? Yeah, and red clover, there's some evidence. And they are really good for the hot flushes and night sweats. The evidence suggests that less good for the mental health ones right um so it might well work in the early perimenopause and you might find as you go on you know there's no right or wrong way you can't it's not like i'm going down the herbal route can never take anything else i'm going down you know this the the cbt and i can do nothing else for me it's not that it's a roundabout with lots of different options the most important one is to do one of them yeah just find what you do find something that works for you and if it's not working come back and try something else or use a combination so one of the statistics that you sent over to me was that um, if women have one symptom at 50 by 50 at 55 years old 43 percent of women will have left employment and 23 percent will have reduced their hours that's a massive impact on their financial security we already have gaps in our pensions we already have gaps in our employment 
due to having children more often or looking after older um, elderly parents, for example, or, you know, the, the environments that we've been brought up in because we've not thought that we could achieve, you know, that glass ceiling kind of situation where we are capping our income as it is. Um, and putting in a minimum two or three percent each year from into your pension, unfortunately, is not sufficient to to live off of, um, depending on what lifestyle you you would like in your sort of 60s and 70s, etc. But that's that's huge. 43 percent we've left employment. That's crazy. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And and this is the thing. We are living longer. Yeah. Life is more expensive. You know, some of us are taking mortgages later. We're going to be paying. We're going to have other things and responsibilities or children at university, you know. So the, the pressure on us in our 50s and 60s and 70s may well be very different to what it was for our parents um, age. And we're having to work longer. But if you're working less hours, you're going to be putting less away. And so this is really important because this is why I've got a couple of aspects of my business one is educating the women one is helping them get the treatment they need so my clinic um a cbt and the other one is is educating workplaces because it's fine if you've got a policy but it's not fine if no one reads it it is fine if a manager wants to talk about menopause but all the women are embarrassed to mention the symptoms that they have let's you know mention incontinence for example heavy periods you know uh, I can't be training all day without adequate breaks because I may actually leak through my clothing that's not easy to have a conversation with managers about and yet many women are dealing with that so we've got women are embarrassed managers what want to help but don't know how to help sure they need to be experts and they don't and so what I do with organizations is I go in you uh, help them get a policy help them get menopause cafe so women feel comfortable talking about it training managers to how to support their women how to embed the policy in practice and then also talk to organizations okay what's next because I truly believe we know that when women are off sick for eight weeks or more 20 percent of them will walk out or reduce their hours. So we've got this window when someone is off sick and they haven't mentioned it's perimenopause or menopause, they're gonna they're gonna reduce their hours or walk out because yeah. when they're not able to communicate what their need needs are and their what support. What do do to help that? So I think it is about normalizing the conversation at work, starting to talk about it. We need senior people to be talking about it as well. We need an environment where just like mental health, if we think about pregnancy, works took a responsibility that keeping women safe during pregnancy was important because you want them to come back. Yeah. Well, you want to retain your female talent around this time. You don't want to be training someone else. You don't want them walking out the door or reducing their hours. We need diversity in the exec board. And so it's 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 offering things like uh, some services I work with, I provide a virtual menopause service for them. So if they have women who are off sick, yeah. I offer coaching, for example, 12 weeks coaching to get them back to work. Yeah. Um, I, they might do my CBT course or they might come to my menopause clinic. So it's like, OK, it's you can signpost to all the information you like. But if they then go to their GP and their GP says no. then, what's, then, then what, what's, what's next? And, that, and that's what I hear a lot of. I mean, I think I've got friends who are sort of the more entrepreneurial side. 
um, and they will go out and find someone because we're in that sort of we've got to that point of our life where we we know lots of people we know how to find things we figure stuff out whereas I've got friends who would go to their doctor and their doctor is like the oracle of everything like the buck stops there kind of thing so when they get told no they just think well I'll just have to carry on and, and cope Um, I heard someone make a, 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 a interesting comment the other day um, obviously, as I, you know, I work, obviously I work in financial services and um, there was another female made a comment about um, there was, I think it was a workshop or it was a podcast or it was something was going on um, within financial services sort of kind of environment um, talking about menopause, which that in itself is a bit, that's really unusual. Um, and I, I, I sort of, at the time I was hearing menopause every other, every other day or like every day. And I think it depends on what circles you're in, how, you know, if you're only interested in boats, for example, all you ever hear going to hear about is boats, but where I have a really big circle of women in my community and also online, I, I hear similar, you hear similar things. But this particular lady sort of had a bit of a negative response to the fact, well, why are we bringing menopause? It, like, why? It's, it's everywhere at the moment. Like, do we really need to be talking about this? And I found that really interesting response because she was an older lady. Um, and I assume maybe she's part of that 25% that actually have had a you know an okay experience. Um, but I just found that a really interesting view or spin on it. But then when I think about it, I think there's a little bit of, um, I don't know if indoctrination is the right word, but if you think about the medical profession in general, if you think about the testing of drugs, for example, um, all the, I don't know when this stopped and you're probably a better person to say, um, but for a long, long period of time, most drugs were actually tested on men and they didn't even bother testing the side effects and how it affects women. Although, you, you know we are pretty different we are different you know the way that um our stomach the acid in there how our bowel moves is different how our kidneys work how our liver and yet if you opened a medical textbook you know from my training we were the same we were yeah. that's it and we know that's not the case we process medications very differently so yeah research is getting better but there's still a massive research um gender gap um, so they're, women are less likely to take part of research because of their periods. Like on day one of their cycle, they may be very different re reacting to something on day, you know, 28. So the way that our bowel works, my bowel changes, you know, I mean, we're talking about all sorts of things, but, you know, the way that, that we go, progesterone affects our bowel. It can make, just as before our period, women get loose loose stools. So that means the yeah. medication is going to move through our system more. Yeah, more so that, that, but I mean, classic example is testosterone. Testosterone at the moment is only licensed. So only prescribed on the NHS for low libido. So all the research into testosterone wow. has been done on low libido. I'm not, I'm just going to take a guess that the focus was let's improve the sex aspect rather than all the oh. other aspects of where testosterone can help us. Oh, so that's some of the things that we drop, right? We, we drop testosterone in yeah. part of the menopause, right? Yeah. So that that's never, no one's ever tested that? No. That's crazy. <laughs> that's so basically, crazy. we know that, you know, testosterone can help. Now, this is observationally. They believe it can help our focus, our concentration. Um, it helps us with our ratio of body to fat. It helps our metabolic rate. It helps our libido, our drive. 
you know, so the difference in our 20s and 30s when we have three times as much testosterone to estrogen is that I could play hard and work hard and still get up the next morning and be completely functioning and do, you know, a presentation without preparing too much for it. I certainly can't do that now. And that's because initially testosterone sort of clings on when estrogen and progesterone drops. It clings on and slowly comes down, but it will bottom out at some point. So this is why women, you know, the reason why women have higher incidence of dementia, higher incidence of cardiovascular disease, higher incidence of um, osteoporosis, thin bones, is because the three hormones are dropping. Right. Got it. So, like, I'm 20, I'm not 23, I wish I was 20. wish. <laughs> yeah, I'm 43 now. So, you know, the grey hair set in, um, you know, hair where I don't want it, all of that kind of stuff. And I've got, um, you know, I'm, I'm not, I'm not necessarily worried about my weight, but I'd like to get fitter for my horse riding. Um, and I'm conscious of my bone density. I'm coach, conscious of my skin, so I get really bad rosacea. I'm, I'm conscious of my general health. My husband's quite fit, although he eats terribly. I'm vegetarian. He's not. Well, it literally pulls apart. He'd have steak for breakfast, lunch and dinner. I wouldn't, I, I never touched it. Um, so, but I'm very conscious that he works out like sometimes once or twice a day. He's super fit. Um, you know, I, I sort of want to keep up with him from a fitness perspective, although I'm way behind already. Um, and I just feel like there's this, you know, so much pressure on women, you know, I've got to run my business, I'm going to grow it, you know, there's this pressure of, you know, developing and, you know, being ambitious, which I've sort of lost a bit of, you know, the will for these days, because I've done a lot of work on myself, I've not really coming from an ego place anymore, I'm sort of coming out, what do I want to do, what impact do I want to have? Um, but then we've also got, you know, I've got children, I've got animals, I'm, I'm a bit crazy with my animals and things. Um, and people wonder how I get so much done um but I sort of feel like I want to work out more I want to eat more healthily I want there's so much more that I want to do for myself but I don't want to use time as, as an because that's a massive excuse like I haven't got the time I could get up an hour earlier um I could organize my day that I you know booked a yoga session and blocked my calendar out like that but it's almost like I haven't got the headspace or the will the will in some way to be able to go it just feels so overwhelming, all of it. You know, you've got to eat healthy, you've got to work out, you've got to do this, you've got to do that, you've got to have your finances in order. It just becomes too much. So for those women who are, you know, probably like myself, but, you know, in a sort of situation where, you know, I do like my job, you know, so I've got that going for me, or they're, they're sort of feeling um, that they want to get out of what they're doing, or they're just feeling generally quite overwhelmed with the information. Is there like a top sort of tip that you you would give them to start just to start? Because sometimes it, there's a long list of things and there's so much you can do, right? Is there sort of one quick win that you would suggest? We do this thing where we, when we, like say we make a bad choice or not bad choice, but we, you know, eat a cake or a donut. It's like, oh, we've written it off. This whole week is written off. So I might as well just drink now. I might as well just eat what I want. Every moment of time is a, is a new time to make a different choice. I will, I will enjoy a donut. There's no doubt about it, but I will also move more. So for me in our Flux State community, um, we talk about moving more. So World Menopause Day is the 18th of October. And so I'm talking to everyone about this menopause countdown, you know, 
now, today, you can do something. This minute, we can do something for our health and well-being. If you're in an organization, you can do something to support women in your organization. So for me, it's like moving more. Don't beat yourself up about the choices you make. Enjoy food. <laughs> um, try and think about your meals so that you've got all your food groups in there. So one of the hardest things for women is eating enough protein, particularly if they're vegetarian. So looking at your protein because we can rely on carbs um, for our energy. Protein shakes I could do, right? Yeah, absolutely. Increase the amount of protein you're having in your diet will help. It's fine. I've got loads in the house. (laughs) Brilliant. So what women put on weight around this time, one, because their testosterone drops and their metabolic rate drops, but also because their cortisol levels are high. So one of the kindest things you can do is build in more mindfulness or more moments to pause and focus on your breathing. So even if you don't move more, just on that body because you will be burning adrenaline when your cortisol is high and then you will be storing fat so actually one of the kindest things we can do don't beat ourselves up move more when you can focus on your breathing self-kindness self-compassion love it love it love it i've been um I haven't I've I've downloaded Davina's book but I've also been listening to Steve Bartlett's podcast and he's had some super interesting people on recently um one was called the glucose goddess um I don't know if you've heard of that um and she talks about how she's a biochemist so it's all very technical um but it's sort of taking what you eat to another level so anyone that's listening if you're super interested in like more what you're eating and you want to take it to another level then I would definitely go and suggest you check that out I found the podcast really interesting I have downloaded um her first book is more on like the biochemistry and her second book is more like a a, um suggestions of things that you can do with recipes and stuff so like you can go as far as you like with it um but I just found it really interesting like eat vinegar um don't have a sweet breakfast because of the sugar hit later on in the day only have a savory breakfast um eat your vet have a, a, a veggie starter for every meal yeah um and um, so lots of greens before your meal and what was the other one uh move more uh go for exercise after um 30 minute exercise after you've eaten and we often think about moving you know exercise and we're like oh I've got to exercise and it's got to be like I've got to be on my bike for like an hour and I've got to be running and that doesn't always work so well because it puts us in a high cortisol state so it actually isn't fat burning actually the walking more you know just a little bit out of breath short reps of of uh, to you know using weights is really important for our bones really yeah. important for our muscles around our bones and really don't, important start, don't talk to me about my chicken arms <laughs> <laughs> they, they used to be muscly and i'm really strong because of the horses but yeah it's like i've got chicken fillets attached to the let, let me ask you let me ask you a question and then and i'll let you go what is your opinion now on uh, collagen i am not a nutritionist i I think read uh, into the company that you're using. I think that's really important because we don't always process all types of collagen that is on the market. What's the benefit? How is it getting into our body is really important. I think about other, if you are a vegetarian, it may be more difficult, but if you're not a vegetarian, looking at bone broths and things like that in your diet gives you collagen. So, like, 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 <laughs> and I'm sorry, but you know, it's, for somebody, it's other people. yeah, for some people it will be, and for others it will just be a no-no. But you know, uh, I'm not an expert. 
felt on it. But maybe I'm going to regret that. I don't know. With years, I've seen so many women having Botox. Like everybody's even having lip fillers or Botox, and I just. I worry I'm I'm not judging them at all like each their own like, I don't I, like I don't know people's life backgrounds you know everyone makes their own choices but I just worry for the amount of women that are having it now um so that when and also I worry for myself so when I'm 50 I look probably 60 compared to my peers who are having Botox is that that peer pressure that we must go and get Botox because now I look 20 years older than everybody else <laughs> this is the time I'm not saying that I'm going to go gray and I'm just going to let my skin go because I actually I want to nurture my body I want to put some nice cream on my face and I want to put some body oils on and I want to have my hair done nicely but I think we need to reframe menopause you know you know this is our opportunity to be more of ourselves. and I'm 50 next year Look, I have lots of laughter lines and I have lots of lines here. It's because I've laughed a lot and I've had a lot of fun. So, thank you. Well, you know, so so actually, um, but if I'm frowning and stressed, you know, I remember there was a stage where I was really stressed at work and I just had these terrible frown lines. Yeah. And actually, the more I've done sort of just calming my nervousness and breathing, being a bit kinder to myself rather than rubbing on my cream, just sort of like taking some time to nurture this beautiful body that we have. You know, this is a time to reframe. Actually, you know, a- aging gracefully for me is really important not doing anything that's going to harm my body. And I'm not saying Botox is, but what we do know is we're stretching the layer between your skin and your muscles. So actually you need to keep having it done. So, you know, if you're going to do it, just remember you've got to keep it up. Um, yeah. So for me, oh, it's not something I, I, I who knows? Yeah, I might change my mind, but at the moment <laughs> I'm going to age, age gracefully. Uh, that's my attempt. Um, I, I, I wait and see what happens never say never right yeah. um, now I've really enjoyed our chat today thank you for being so open and honest and I hope it's helped you know lots of women um, but even if it's one person to have a different conversation with their family to recognize how they're feeling to go to their doctor to think about you know whether it's the job that they want to change or actually how it's you know the menopause or the premenopause has been affecting them personally in their life or their finances um i do think it's really relevant um and it, it is a threat to women's financial security long term definitely from the statistics you've shared with me today it's really quite scary um so how can people connect with you? Do they go to your website? I imagine it's the, the fluxstate.co.uk. Is that it right? Is, yeah, fluxstate.co.uk. That's perfect. Um, and then reach out and join my community if you'd like, where we share um, an opportunity for you to ask questions and we share, you know, reliable sources of information. So if you go onto Facebook, you type in flux state or one word, um, menopause, it comes up. Um, that's a free so- community, is it? Free community. Yeah, that's a great place to start. Um, I think I'm in there myself, actually. So um, maybe I should go in there and check out check out um, some of the ladies' stories and have a little listen. Absolutely. I think, you know, people who come into the community, they realise they're not alone. And when yeah. we're not alone, it empowers us to learn from somebody else's experience and how they've managed to get the help they needed to, to navigate the menopause. Um, so you're not alone. Definitely not. Thanks again for coming today and talking to me, Catherine. I really appreciate it. Thank you for joining us on today's episode of Accelerate Your Wealth. For further help or to connect with Rebecca directly, 
please head over to the website www.rebeccarobertson.co.uk where you can find further information on our planner, book and how to further maximise your wealth. Our sponsor, Evolution Financial Planning for regulated advice on pensions, investments, mortgages, insurances on www.evolutionfinancialplanning.co.uk forward slash podcast.